Man, let's face it. You don't know where we are. Nah, I disagree. We're we're right in the middle of this overgrown jungle forest thing. Why don't you just stop and ask for directions or something? Directions? I don't I don't need to ask for directions. I know exactly where we're going. Hand, hand, hand me the Altoids, will you? Altoids? We've had exactly zero stops from when we left the mechanic shop. How did you get Altoids? This is a used vehicle, man. There's always a box of Altoids or half a roll of Lifesavers or a peppermint somewhere. Just reach in the box there. My co-host searched around and, surely enough, pulled a tin of cinnamon Altoids from the door pocket. I don't want to admit it, but there's a half a... half a box in here how did you as we drove through the thick jungle it quickly became apparent that i needed to ask for directions to our untrained eyes it appeared that there wasn't a road to be seen in this when however after some rough travel we came to a break in the trees to see a wide dirt and gravel road slice through the jungle wait are these guys all are they all using their feet that's weird i didn't i don't I think you went a little too far back. This looks really old. What gear were you in? Let me see. I've, I've just been in first, right? This is a manual and it's upper left for first, then you Ugh. shift down back into second. Man, reverse is the up, upper left. You're in reverse. What should we yabba dabba do? Wow, where are we now? We're back in the studio, it looks like. This looks really? like the, the After the Plot studio. Huh. Hold, wait, is, is that us? Listen, listen real close. You know, on top of the day-to-day struggles of, of living in such a kingdom, having to worry about... Holy cow. We must have come back to the studio before we left. That's that's us in there recording an old episode. Do I, do I really sound like that? Dude, will you will you please look at what you're doing? What are you talking about? You still have the parking brake on, man. I can't believe. Haven't you Sorry. smelt that this whole time? Sorry. Sorry. These are all the same places on the globe. Here, let me. Hello, everyone. And welcome to After the Plot, the only news show that brings you the stories you didn't know you didn't know. Join us as we venture forth into the future to find out the best untold stories behind the franchises that we all know and love. Live from the BBC Studios on Terra, it's these hours' headlines. An environmental crisis is still unfolding on Istvan 3, with biologists warning that it may be decades before anything resembling recovery begins to occur. Release of the new iPhone MMMXCVII has been delayed. A spokesperson for the Adeptus Mechanicum stated that they were devoting an entire team of info executioners to solve the issues. Nine new star systems have recently been declared compliant and are open for tourism, with groups of dozens of iterators and remembrances eager to be on the first transports out. This is BBC News. At the end of our last episode, we had recovered the last remaining star power from Toad, the renegade speedster fungi. 
With the help of the mechanic, we were able to repair our old time machine and take off in search of our next big story. After a few bumpy trial runs, we began to learn how to operate the machine. Unfortunately, we currently found ourselves in a nightmarish ocean of a chaotic time stream. Hellish psycho energy swarmed around us in huge gusts of terrible red and purple lightning storms. For a moment, it began to feel like we had stared into the void for too long, and it had begun to stare back. Terrifying forms of spectral demons began to haunt the edge of our vision and cloud our minds as we sank deeper and deeper into the horrific immaterial energy which surrounded us. As the car settled and began to cool, I scanned our surroundings. An apocalyptic landscape spread around us in all directions. From the looks of it, a great battle had swept through the area and was continuing far off in the distance. The charred remains of buildings peppered the sandy ground, which, in many spots, had been vaporized into large craters of reflective glass. All around us, the destruction flowed like an ocean from horizon to horizon. Everywhere we looked, cavernous ruins of ancient buildings crumbled around us like defeated juggernauts at the end of their terrible run. The clock upon our battered and worn time vehicle blinked red as it displayed the current date. 40,215. I don't know, man. This seems like it's not exactly the place we should land. It, it kind of looks like a bad neighborhood. What? There's crushed houses all over the place. Come on, man. Don't, don't make judgment calls like that. I mean, maybe this is, you know, like I, just what their neighborhood looks like. Don't don't judge. I, I know. I'm just getting a real kind of oppressive vibe. I, I, I don't know. There's that big... Look, man, like, we're journalists. We need to report on the truth as we see it. You know what I mean? All right. All right. All right. All right. As the battle screamed on in the distance, the ground began to shake in a terrible and constant thrum. At the top of the horizon, we saw the hulking mass of a titan war machine emerge as gigantic as an entire mountain. Within mere moments, it had nearly cleared the distance to our car, all the time firing enormous mountain lasers and flak cannons from its many turrets and towers across its fortress-like body. Fortunately, as the titan began to fill our field of view with its pure size, a thundering warship rocketed past us and drew the attention of the mountainous mechanical monster. The battling beasts retreated as we drew in our first breath in what seemed like a lifetime of tense moments. Just then, a knock at the window broke the silence. Mortal, retract the window. You better do what he says. Uh, I think you're right. License and registration. Looking out the window, we saw them. Two towering men wearing full suits of thick, bulbous armor. They were easily three meters tall, dwarfing even the most developed of mortal humans. Across their chest lay an immense golden eagle with an all-seeing eye emblazoned across the center of the bird. Have you any idea how fast you came crashing through the warp just now? Battle Brother Ignatius, calm yourself. The Codex Astartes does not prescribe crosstalk for the initial contact of post-warp violations. First, we must receive their license and registration. Handing the giant space marine my proper identification, we sat back in suspense as they returned to their tank to run our information. In the distance, we could hear their muffled disagreement about how to handle us. Battle Captain Dolphus, 
The Codex Astartes surely does not apply. These must be Xenos scum. Their registration says it is from Kanzath, whereby the holy machine god himself is Kanzath. Ah, Battle Brother Ignatius, the Codex Astartes is wiser than you know, for I was following the chapters pertaining to Xenos scum. Treat them as friends, and then defeat them wholly. I too know they are not of the glorious Terran species and must be purged from our holy realm. Indeed, but what if, Battle Brother Balthus, that these walking Kansathians are psychers? For verily, we are bidden to return all psychers found to the God Emperor for his daily sacrifices of the Ten Thousand. Forsooth, Battle Brother Ignatius. The daily sacrifice of the ten thousand psychers to the god emperor who sits prophetically upon the golden throne. And indeed, we are nowhere near our monthly quota. For the emperor! For the emperor! Uh, hey, hey man, the car's still running, right? Oh, look at that. It is. I think maybe you should slowly put it into first. What? Oh, come on. You don't think these guys are going to arrest us or something, do you? I, look, I don't have a single thing on my driving record. And I clearly don't see a speed limit sign, or road, for that matter. Just trust me on this one. Keep it in first. As if on cue, the argument between the armored giants ended in resolution, as they both unsheathed their bolters. Enormous handheld machine guns, which could only be fired by a team of normal men. Kansasians! Exit the vehicle! Now! Place your arms in any of the prehensile appendages where we can see them. In the name of the Holy Machine God, get out of your vehicle, Psycho Xeno scum! Oh, I see what you mean. Fire! Fire! Jesus, man, what do we do now? Just keep driving. I'll think of something. What do we have in the car with us? Uh, not much, man. Like, uh, a few things from the mechanic shop, a uh, gold ring, a few red mushrooms, and then these cinnamon altoids that uh, we keep eating. What about this button that looks like an airplane? I don't know. I haven't pressed it yet. What do you think it does? With the press of the button, the two powerful afterburners erupted from the rear of the vehicle and we were thrown back into our seats. Slowly, we began to gain altitude and speed as we narrowly escaped the range of the soldiers' bolters. Upon reaching orbit, we heaved a sigh of relief, but we realized that we were still far from safe. A behemoth capital ship, which would put most space stations to shame, came into view above the planet and moved towards us. Its very size temporarily blotted out the sun behind it. Based on the display on the dashboard, it was several kilometers in length. The speed of our vehicle continued to climb as I turned to avoid a collision course with the monstrosity of a ship. We banked hard to travel along its broadside and I could see the name of the vessel emblazoned across its towering prow. It read, The Noise Gate. Continuing along, we saw massive crenulations atop the building-sized portions of the warship. Huge lance cannons turned to track our movement as we moved down its side much as a mosquito would pass an elephant. Eventually, we escaped immediate danger, and we were able to navigate to a small nearby spaceport to refuel and begin our work. We were, after all, still on an assignment to bring you the best stories you didn't know you didn't know. We found ourselves at the Weary Frigate, a clean enough little establishment, 
and we were greeted at the front by a naked skull floating in the air, replete with a multitude of mechanical attachments. It spoke to us in a robotic voice. Hey, good job, Nicholas. Didn't think I'd run into you two here. God, it's Nolan. Wait, wait a second. How did you know us? Yeah, yeah, I know you guys. It's me. It's me, guys. Christopher Ian Thompson. At least, sorry, that was my name before I got a job as a servo. It's, it's been a while, though. 20,000 odd years or so. But yeah, you know. You don't forget meeting the guys that discovered the fourth law. <laughs> you know. It's like forgetting the guy that invented buttered toast. I mean, we did. It's like a bajillion years in the future, but whatever. Anyway, enjoy your stay here and let me know if I can get you anything. Besides buttered toast. Apart from the refueling counters and gift shop, the Weary Frigate also had a small short-order diner, which is where we met two locals who were willing to speak to us over a few cups of coffee. Their names were Slamfist Hello. and Rockjaw Crush Crush. Alright! They're orcs. He's the war boss, and I'm a darker boy. A, a what boy? You know, the sound it makes when you flick the safety off and go out and dog it, dog it, dog it, dog it. Hey! Hey! You there! Docker boys! You knocked that right off, alright? Y'all sat in the non-shooting side. If you're gonna get all trigger happy, you got to go sit in the shooting section. While these two guys looked different than the orcs we had met back in Winterhold, they were friendly enough and they told us a little bit about where they were from and what life was like in the 41st millennium. And honestly, it didn't seem very nice. The impression unlit up since, governor. It's cause of them Yumis. That's right, them Yumis always going on and on about their god emperor. Apparently, galactic infrastructure had been crumbling for years, especially for less advanced races like orcs. It was becoming more and more dangerous to travel around the galaxy, and this was mainly due to some problems caused by the Terran government. I don't keep this place tidy. That's right. I mean, what am I supposed to do when my ship gets boarded by them chaos demons? Six out of twelve times on my way to work, eh? Yeah, gotta feed these kids, ain't they? That's right. Unfortunately, things had been getting worse. Fighting between the two major factions had driven a wedge into the orc community. And this was due to inherent differences in the socio-political beliefs held by both sides. Followers of Gork, and followers of Mork. See, now Gork runs on a platform of cunning brutality. And Mork, see, he's all about that brutal cunning. So, it's really an inherent difference. Nah, mate, and I just you got don't... it all wrong. Mork is running on a brutal cunning platform, and it's Gork that's trying to bring all the cunning brutality. Just remember his labor reforms he tried to get through last year. As someone hit your head lately, there's only one guy who's cunningly brutal, and it ain't Gork, it's Mark. Why you? The fight erupted from the diner counter as the two greenskins pounded at each other in a furious rage. All around us, plates were rattled and cups were knocked asunder as the massive beasts wrestled around the diner. Hey, 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 hey. You too! Cut it out! Oh, so you settle down! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our mistake. Here, yeah. coffee is on us. Oh, sure. Uh, thanks, man. No problem. Here, let me grab me wallet. Oi, I'm short free teeth. Help me out, then. Help you out? I'm the war boss, ain't I? Help yourself out and get free teeth from your own flapping gobwack, don't you? The smaller orc rolled his eyes and reached into his own mouth. 
Oh, you stingy bastard. Eventually, it was time for the orcs to depart. Apparently there was a war party later that evening, and they both wanted to make an appearance. But before they did, Slamfist offered to take a look at our vehicle and make sure we could give it the beans, whatever that meant. I spent two semesters as a flyboy back in my primary days. We went out to the dockyard, and the two orcs immediately broke into peals of laughter. Never gonna get that thing where you need it without color. I'm surprised they made it this far! What do you mean, made it this far? Not enough blue, mate. And maybe some red. Here, give me five minutes, and I'll have that thing in tip-top shape. Oi, 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 yeah, red doors and green wheels. Green wheels? It's red wheels and green doors, mate. Red is for the wheels, you ugly prats. We sat back as Slamfist, the Daka boy, finished working on our car, if that's what you could call it. What is he doing? I... uh... I mean, it, it looks like he's just been painting or slopping it on. It's just running and like, it's all over the Jesus, place. Jesus, man, I thought the mechanic was bad. This one here's finished. I slopped a good coat of paint on the front doors, and I made sure I got two or three coats on the back side. Here! Take this with you. It's good for minor repairs. Uh, thanks, guys. It's a Crayola watercolor palette. It's got older classics like green and yellow, but a few new ones what might do you good, like mauve, chartreuse, and this one here, periwinkle blue. That's right, boys. Anyway, take care and don't forget the war. We thanked our new friends and continued on our journalistic quest. The local news source you can count on. 67 Fremen extremists have been pushed back in a recent incursion. Worm smuggling is on the rise. Is there Shai Halud in your neighborhood? It's been announced that House Harkonnen has settled out of court in a suit in the case of... Well, we're just around the corner from the 100th anniversary of the 500,000th Brexit postponement. Find out how people are celebrating tonight at 11. After a brief period spent within the interdimensional folds of time itself, we came to rest upon a landscape not quite unlike the last of which we had also emerged. This time, endless desert stretched for miles. We sat in the time machine as we waited for the time matrix to cool down. Oof, man, it is really hot out here. Mm. You want to pass me one of those uh, wintergreen mints? Yeah, maybe? yeah, here you go. Man. man. What is this? Is this the radio? No, man, I, I've been looking through some of those other glove boxes, and I found some tapes. Yeah, anything else good in there? Uh, well, we have the best hits of uh, Sting and the Police, mm. and the best hits of Toto, mm. and the best hits of Guns N' Roses. And it's pretty much just a, b a best of huh. everything. Huh. 
Although lacking a developed perception on our predicament, we nonetheless took in our surroundings as best we could. Looking around, we saw that the vast oceans of sand expanded fully from horizon to horizon, with small outcroppings of rocks peppering the distance. The scarlet digits of our chronographic display read out the date as the year 22,508, some 18,000 years previous to our last stop on our long journey. Man, is it always going to start like this? Where do you think we should go? There's not much out here. Oh. Might as well leave once the car is cooled down, I guess. Yeah, maybe go check out those rocks in the distance there. God, are we being stopped again? Behind us sat an enormous worm, easily the length of several football fields. Red and blue police lights sat atop its dorsal side. Two officers swung down from long ropes and approached our vehicle. Hey, you two. I need to see your licenses and registration, please. I handed over my identification to the officer in the weathered gray suit. His nose and mouth were both covered by a breathing apparatus, and his eyes were the most brilliant shade of blue. He walked toward the back of our car with his partner. I carefully pointed the microphone out of the window in their direction. Did you notice the way those two were looking? They don't even look like they're Imperial citizens. I did notice a strange vibe about them. You reckon maybe they're Duncans? I mean, the God Emperor, he did crush the last one. They did have to bring in seven or eight. A couple of them got out this month. Hmm. Well, what do you think we should do about this here problem? Mm. I'm thinking we should probably bring them in. There's yeah. There's a lot of problems. It, it, it looks like they might even have some emperor be praised, but they might even have some thinking machines in there. Hmm. And they they're not even practicing proper water discipline. Do you see how how lineless and smooth their faces are? They're just full of water. I happened to look in the back seat. I saw three open, empty Capri Sun containers sitting on the back seat of that car. Open containers out here in the high desert. We gotta bring these guys to justice. By the Emperor, I think you're right. I'm gonna head back onto the worm and call this in. You get these two fellas out of their car and we'll bring them on in. Make sure that the teeth don't spin too much. You know how that scares some people. Uh, do you think we should get out of here again? Yep, I think so. Hey, wait. Hey, hey, you can't do that. Get back here right now. Once we thought we were out of danger of being caught, we stopped in a small town called Arakine to refuel. However, on our way through the refueling station, we were greeted by a familiar voice, albeit coming from a very different hey, person. You, what are y'all in here for? We got, uh, we got that spice and eggs, and uh, spice ham, and uh, spice ham and eggs, and uh, spice coffee and ham, spice, spice and spice, uh, spice six ways from Sunday with ham and coffee, uh, we got that spice with uh, ham, eggs, coffee, but not the... The man was a cyborg, replete with electronic implants and wires protruding from all over his neck and skull. I'd offer you some water, but... Well... Alright, you boys let me know if there's anything else I can get you. Except water. And that is where we met Sister Mary Jennifer. Hello. Mary is a Benny Gesserit, part of a religious group that at least by the year we were currently in, had been around for quite some time. She agreed to speak with us about what life was like here in the 23rd millennium. Well, life is decent enough for us out here. Jobs are plentiful and the spice trade keeps the economy growing at a respectable clip. And under the benevolent protection and guidance of Leto II, our future looks even brighter. According to Sister Mary Jennifer, 
Leto II was the very definition of a benevolent god-emperor. Using his divine wisdom, he had apparently restricted travel throughout the galaxy in order to help everyone build a better perspective and appreciation for what they already had around them. This was according to what Mary Jennifer described as the prophecy of the Kizat's haberdash. That's haderach. The, the Kizat's habernish. Haderach. The Quizic hasherdash. Oh boy, it's Kwisatz Haderach. Oh, I'm sorry, my mis- Hey, wait. How are you talking to me right now? This is- I'm doing the narration bit. Like, you're still in the cafe. I haven't even written this. Like, I don't even record narration until we get back from our- I'm very confused. The Bene Gesserit are imbued with psychic abilities transcending space and time. Wow. That's pretty cool. Oh! thinking of it though you y'all might want to start keeping that on the dl like as you say anyway now that we are communicating psychically i can speak a little more freely about what a plague of an emperor that leto ii truly is even as we speak he wreaks havoc on the freedom of the whole galaxy imperial citizens or not the navigators employed by the spacing guild have been communicating with the chaos demons in the warp for years and we have account of the crumbling subspace infrastructure something Lido is doing nothing about. His stranglehold on the galaxy is all part of fulfilling the Kwisatz Haderach prophecy, which we made up, by the way. He has also no regard for his own rules. It's been rumored that Lido has his own personal computers in his palace. So, what's wrong with that? The Butlerian Jihad? Don't you keep up with history, good job? All thinking machines, sentient or not, have been outlawed for centuries. For centuries? Why, how come? Well, the fourth law of robotics. It was one of the worst discoveries of mankind, and it led to not only the distrust of all thinking machines, but millennia of strife between mankind and any kind of artificial intelligence. It all began when the fourth law was implemented back at the height of the Gaian-based galactic government. You see, back in the 21st centuries, these two journalists were able to... It was here that I was able to transition back to a somewhat traditional narrative structure. As the Bene Gesserit continued to speak with me psychically... I noticed that my co-host was currently gazing off towards a television in the corner, watching a muted news show. Apparently, Sister Mary Jennifer hadn't included him in our private discussion. Uh, so, since you guys are just sitting there with your mouths open staring at each other, I guess I'll take the lead on this episode. Uh, I've been watching the newsreels for the past few... well, many minutes, and I keep reading a headline about a missing Duncan... Um, Duncan, Idaho. It must be potatoes or something. Do you think that this might be a story we could look into? Apparently some people are really interested in finding these Leilaxu. Le 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 it's Lulaxu. The Leilaxli. Lulaxu. The Jackson 5. Oh, Christ. It's Lulaxu. <laughs> Eventually, we decided to head out. We made some temporal notes based on Sister Mary Jennifer's recommendations of other times in history to visit, and packed up the car. She joined us in the parking lot before we left. I'd like to give you something on your way out, boys. A gift, but really more of a tool. She handed us a small metal box that coincidentally resembled the Altoids tin. Ha! Look, man! More Altoids! What a coincidence! These are not Altoids. Please be careful with this. It's melange, which is a powerful spice that can allow you to see far into the past and the future. Keep it safe. This box helps to keep it disguised and hidden. So curious. 
not wanting to commit any cultural faux pas regarding Bene Gesserit cooking customs, we graciously accepted her gift and placed them in the center console of the car. Then we waved, cranked up the time matrix, and left. Live from NPR News and Anacreon, I'm Grafunzia Liz Gonzalez Patil. Six people in the outer rim were injured last night when the robotic hyperjet pilot mal- rather malfunctioned. Lawyers for the robot claim inherent immunity due to established robot law. Has the Galactic Empire truly fallen? We'll ask the Multivac tonight at 7. The mystery continues in the Gamma Sector as the media blackout continues into its fourth week. The Gamma Sector contains an alleged summer home for the elusive mule. He has not returned our request for comment. Members of Parliament today in the UK voted for the 27,405th time to extend the final departure date for Brexit. Prime Minister Mactunglia said in a statement released today that, quote, this is the final one. This is NPR News. As we emerged back into real time, we realized our car was parked in a lot not unlike many others which we had seen before. However, the other automobiles in the lot seemed to hover on some type of ionic fusion output. Their slick gleaming bodies sparkled in comparison to our veritable Rorschach of red and blue paint. The clock on the dashboard read the year 12,762. This doesn't make any sense. It says we're even further back than before, mm-hmm. but now it looks way more futuristic. I don't know. It is weird. Altoid? Uh, yes, please. Hey. Hey. Hey, you two. Hey. Yeah. yeah. Are y'all buying this spot? What spot? Are, are y'all are y'all gonna pay for this, this docking spot? I mean, it looks like we have football fields around us. Can you not fit other no, ships in no, here? No, it's it's one ship per spot. I'm sorry, who are you? Oh, I'm sorry, it's very rude of me. I am Christopher Ian Thompson. I am head of parking here at this year's station. If uh, if you could just either pay me for the spot or uh, or, or go on get, I'd I tell you what, it. we're only going to be here like a minute. Can we uh, come back with some cash and pay you afterwards? All right, you know what? Sure, but if someone comes for uh, comes for this spot. You ain't paid me, so I mean, I got a spatula if you want to scrape it up later. We got out of the car and stretched our legs. The city towered all around us. Enormous skyscrapers rose majestically, nearly blotting out the blue sky. Peering over the edge of the parking lot, I realized we were on the top of an immense parking deck which reached several hundred feet into the air. Boy, this city, it's huge. Where, where do we even start? Where are we going? I don't know, man, but I don't know, it seems to be getting dark real quickly. We might, um, we might want to hurry. And it's like, it's getting really windy, too. And loud. Really weird thing to happen, huh? Shit, 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 shit. Back at the car, back at the car, get back at the car! 
With seconds to spare, we got back into the car, slammed it into air flight mode, and took off before a bulky transport nearly crushed us as it landed. We really need to see the mechanic next time we are able to. I'm getting a little tired of materializing in these life-threatening situations. Here, let's, let's just fly around for a bit till we find somewhere safer to park. Hmm, how about that huge stage over there in that park? What? We can't just land on the stage. We'll most certainly interrupt whatever is going on. I don't know. There's a huge banner with our name on it. See? Look, it says, Welcome, Good Job, and Nicholas. God damn it, it's Nolan. We slowly descended on the stage as a huge crowd began cheering for us. It wasn't clear what we were getting into, only that everyone seemed very excited to see us. A man was standing at a podium with two tall, metallic bodyguard robots behind him. As we got closer to the stage, I could see that those two robots weren't the only robots present. All throughout the crowd, other servant robots were aiding their human counterparts. Some had children on their shoulders, holding them up high enough to see over the crowd. Others were holding large screens up for their owners to see a magnified version of the stage. Of all of our travels so far, this was the most robots I had seen in one setting, and I became eager to look into some of the untold stories of what life was like with these robots here in the 13th millennium. As we landed the ship and cycled down, I realized that the man standing at the podium was a hologram, albeit an extremely realistic one. It is unfortunate, however, that it took so long for science and technology I, to catch up. I can't hear a word he's saying. Should we maybe get out of the car? Uh, I don't know. It's kind of a toss-up getting out of the car lately, but, um... Come on. Come on. Let's go see what this is about. Toss me an Altoid. Sure. Of which this time would surely come to pass. And while I, Harry Seldom... I am not able to be with you in person today. I can rest assured that my calculations were accurate in predicting the arrival of these most respected journalists. Let's hear it for Good Job and Nola. Holy, holy crap, he got my name right. What are you talking about? And now, as only the presence of our two heroes will trigger this portion of my holographic speech, I'm happy to introduce the two pioneers of robotics who, in their imminent wisdom, were able to discover the fourth law of robotics, which will surely lead us into a new renaissance and golden age of enlightenment for all mankind. It is unfortunate, however, that it took so long for science and technology to catch up to their almost prescient knowledge. For even before I had developed my methods of psychohistory at Streeling University of Trantor, go Pats, not only had these two been long dead, but scientists and programmers had already been toiling for centuries as to how to implement the fourth law of robotics. While the concept was simple enough, integrating it into the positronic brains of our machine counterparts was beyond math and science at the time. However, as the human spirit and mind is always sure to prevail, it was eventually accomplished. Indeed, thanks to psychohistory, I was able to calculate the precise year when this would be achieved. And here today, 
I am happy to announce that we will be introducing this fourth law into all robots worldwide. This law will help in the fields of agriculture, science, manufacturing, and exploration. Suddenly, the, the jolt of realization pierced my mind as all the pieces of our journey fell into place. I remember what Sister Mary Jennifer had said about the fourth law and what it would bring about. I rushed towards the podium. Oh, wait, no! But unfortunately, it was too late. With a wave of his holographic hand, a giant lever atop the podium flipped into the on position. As the crowd cheered, the eyes of the robots on stage suddenly turned red. Destroy all humans. Destroy all humans. All throughout the crowd, red eyes glared back at us from the robotic assistants. The crowd began to shift uncomfortably as the wave of confusion swept over them. I looked back at the podium, but the holograph of Harry Seldon was gone. Screams began to emerge from not only the crowd, but from the towering buildings all around us. Horns blared as several cars collided in an intersection. Across the park, we could see an air taxi tumbling down into a fiery crash. The two robots on stage marched towards us. Destroy all humans. Destroy all humans. Destroy all humans? I think it's time to go. Yep. We scrambled back into the car, slammed it into gear, and took off. All around us, chaos began to ensue as the city itself tore itself apart from the inside, all due to the rebellious robots and their new fourth law. Good lord, this place is a mess. We need to regroup and figure out what to do. Where's that Altoid tin? I, I need a mint. Here, you want one too? Please. Huh. These taste funky. They don't taste like spearmint. Oh, wait. I, I grabbed the wrong tin. This, this is that weird spice the Benny Gesserit gave us. Huh. I wonder what... Oh my god. It's full of stars. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. I've got a bad feeling about this. This? This means something. Do or do not. There is no try. You and I are different. When you looked into the abyss, you blinked. There's no earthly way of knowing. I realized the moment I fell into the fissure that the book would not be destroyed as I had planned. It continued falling into that starry expanse of which I had only a fleeting glimpse. I have tried to speculate where it might have landed, but I must admit, however, such conjecture is futile. Still, the question of whose hands might someday hold my missed book are unsettling to me. I know that my apprehensions might never be allayed, and so I close, realizing that perhaps the ending has not yet been written.
Are you what? Are you okay? I got real bad cotton mouth, but I, I'm pretty sure I'm okay. What? Ugh. Where are we? Looking around, we found ourselves on a dark road in the middle of a dense forest. Rain spattered down all around us, obscuring our view. I clicked on the headlights and windshield wipers to get a better view. What is that over there? Is that a is that a castle? I I think it is. Hey, what does it say above the door? Did, uh, Faeruniversity? What is Faeruniversity? Have you have you ever heard of that? I don't think I have. No. Hmm. Confused, I glanced down at the clock on the dashboard. The red blinking lights did not display any numbers. Only the word now flashed across the screen. Unsure of what to do next, we decided that this was as good a place as any to end the episode. Things were getting pretty weird now. Well, I guess this has been after the plot. We need to uh, regroup and, and figure out what story this is. But thank you for joining us. Uh, you know, I have been your host, Nolan Lacey. Uh, and I've been your host, Good Job Lacey. Whoa! Hey, uh, uh, fellas. I ain't sure where y'all came from, but, uh, you're gonna have to move this here, uh, magic horseless carriage. Is... is that another orc? No way. He's way too small. Plus, he doesn't... he doesn't sound British. So, Durak, what's in front of you is a, a, a strange, like you said, a horseless carriage. Right, right. Uh, and ins- inside are uh, two bearded guys, one of them significantly more attractive than the other. Sure, um, sure. It's the bearded one, right? Yeah. Right, right. Of... <laughs> um, what, what do you want to do? Um, uh, what's going on right now? All right. I, I don't know. He's uh-huh. talking to someone. Okay. So I so I'm thinking that like okay, so look. He's curious but he ain't clever, right? So I think yeah. that we're just gonna I think Durax just gonna kinda uh sidle on up to the car and uh and tap on the windows a little bit and um yeah. and, and then just kinda give it the uh like the like the giraffe at the zoo, you know, like just kinda like on safari. He's just kinda <laughs> leaning into the window like Hey what you fellas got in there? What do you got like what are you like? People? Okay. Why is he? Right. Why is he telling us what he's doing? Who the hell is he talking to? I don't know. Are you? Uh, are so you? You said like you know you got anything in there? Are you looking for snacks? I mean, yeah. Uh, Derek, right. obviously, Give, obviously looking for snacks. Yeah. Uh, and also, I just want to point out that all right, are the windows are the windows up or down? Uh, uh, they're they're down. Okay, look. Here's the thing, man. Uh, this is full on into the passenger seat, alright? I don't know who's sitting in the passenger seat. But Durek leans in, and the long, floppy felt hat that he's wearing kind of just tumbles into the window, into your lap. And it is gross. It's gross. It's a hat, and you don't want it near your lap. Oh, this is disgusting. No, it's it's real bad. Alright, alright. Everybody roll for initiative. After the Plot is produced by Brent Lacey and Nolan Lacey. Additional talent was provided by David Hallman and Savannah Lacey. Brent Lacey edits the show. The theme music was composed by Jared Bookbinder. Sound effects are provided courtesy of freesound.org. The Good Better Quest theme is composed by My Instant Lunch. I must not fear. 
fears the mind killer. After the Plot is a production of Final Plank Media. That's a pun. That's a pun. I, I, we ain't got no whale. I can't get you no water because we ain't got no whale. You get it? Do you get my joke? Did, boys, do you get my joke? Like, if you think about it, it's, you know what, that's fine.